Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. Today is January... 14th? Yes. Yeah, before we know it, it'll be October and I'll be back into Toys for Tots again. <laughs> Man, I'm, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad that's over with. I mean, I'm not, I'm not glad it's over with, you know, but gratefully we got through it and... Now you have time to rest. Uh, yeah, and also, you know, like looking at the, looking at the figures that um, I was able, we, our uh, after action report is due by um, midnight uh, tomorrow. So doing all the figures, we donated, um, distributed over 30,000 toys. It was 30,039 toys to 6,830 children. So it comes out to about 4.37, 4.39 toys per child. That is a a wonderful, wonderful yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it, it is, and and you know something that's got to that's got to feel good, no matter how does, much work it, does. it is. And it's not; it's it's absolutely not me. I mean, you know, I I would love to take credit for it. Um, you know, I, I'm only driving the bus. I'm only steering the wheel. You know, uh, it's the it's the community right. that donated all those toys. We put we put 500 toys away to start next year. We always try to keep some base of toys just for um, if anything happens during the year, like if a house burns down or something like that, after all of the other ancillary services come in and provide the services that they can, we try to have stuff like toys ah, and stuff like that nice. for the kids. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's suggested, suggested if we can hold a few, I mean, they, they would probably love us to give it all away. I would love to give it all away, but I think, um, Every year I get a little bit anxious. I Like four years ago when we started, the very first thing I said was, okay, now cool. I'm the coordinator for Toys for Talks for my county. Where am I going to get all these toys? <laughs> you know, and they said, just believe. Put the boxes out there. It's almost like it's almost like the loaf of bread and the fish. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Just it multiplies. Put, yeah. Just put the boxes out there and the toys will come. And I had to trust and believe and the toys came. And every single year, we get that much more. Wow. Um, Did you actually start Toys for Tots in this county? No, no. It was, it's been, it was here. The coordinator before me had done it for 11, 12 years or something like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then he, and then he couldn't do it anymore. Something happened. You know, I mean, life, life purposes change. And, and he had to go, you know, do something else. And it was vacant. And like a dumbass Marine, I saw that it was vacant and signed the paper saying, I'll do it. And here I am, you know, but uh, here we are. I mean, you know, because the community is is what uh, gives us gives us our drive. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing all the way around. It really is. So other than that, how are you doing this week? Oh, everything's great. Um, Everything's great. I'm not happy because it's cold here in Florida. Yeah, but I relatively mean, speaking, I guess. But um, when I got to your house, it was 61 degrees on my car. Yeah, well, I guess it's better than if you got to my other house. Oh, I know. My I other know. house in Massachusetts, under two feet of snow. 20, it's probably 20 of course. Now. So happy, happy to be here. Grateful 
grateful to be able to drive up here in the freezing 61 degree weather for a radio show tonight. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And, and it's going to go by like like quick. So and it probably, always does. So we probably should bring our guest in. We have Lisa Lieberman Wang on the line. She is a relationship and emotional breakthrough expert. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing awesome. You're doing awesome, but you're freezing because you're up in New Jersey. <laughs> well, it is cold there outside, but not inside. <laughs> All right. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a fireplace up there? Yes, I do. You know, I used to love that. When I was a kid, we had a fireplace in the house. And I didn't because that's how we heated the house. Well, yeah, I know. But I mean, just the just the whole thing, you know what I mean? The fire, the I didn't like having to go out and get wood and all of that. But the house, the house that I grew up in as a child, we had a fireplace. And then we moved to a house uh, where there was too many of us. And I think we all made body heat, so we didn't need the fireplace. <laughs> but, uh, but then my parents moved to another house after all the kids moved away, and there was another fireplace in that. And I just, I just love that. It, it makes me think I'm at a uh, at a local skating rink or something like that. Uh, you like the bonfires, huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, Lisa. Yes. How are you this evening? I'm doing awesome. I'm looking forward to be able to be on your show and have this conversation and see who we can help. Right. Well, just to, not to not to intimidate you at all, but we get we get um, numbers every week, and um, every every Monday, usually before the show comes on, we, we, we get a we get numbers of the different countries that listen in, and you'd be you'd be amazed at some of the countries that um. The people that listen to us. Yeah, I mean, like China. Like, who who would you think would be up at this time, whatever time it is in China? That's early morning for them. Yeah, and and, and in Ireland. Right now, it's like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and that's our second largest audience is in that's Ireland. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's because they know you're Irish. So, Lisa, <laughs> I was um, I was looking at the information about you, and I'm I'm I as a female am very very interested in what you have to say. You know, I, I looked at your book Find a Fab, and I'm just I'm curious what started you off on your journey. Well, like any journey, I think we don't always know the path and where it's taking us. And for me, this was never something I thought I'd be doing. the The book became a byproduct of 25 years of <clears throat> excuse me abstinence from hurting myself. Uh, but what ended up starting is the fact that I grew up in a traditional dysfunctional family where people said disparaging words and my my father wanted perfect children. I didn't know there was no such thing and did my best to measure up and never felt that I had done a good job of it. And despite all the success and anything else I did, um, it was never good enough. And with that being said, I chose the good girl disease. I chose using food to feel better. And unfortunately for me, the path it took me on really early um, was not one I expected to be on. And I stayed in dis-ease with myself for 13 years. So it was, a, it was a rude awakening to thinking I was so smart and I would do everything right to find that I was doing so much that was stupid. Now, how, when you, um, how, did, you, how did your disease manifest in the sense of were you a purger or were you a, for lack of a better word, faster? 
Right. Well, anorexic or bulimic. So what ended up happening is when I was younger, you know, looking to be perfect, I ended up having ulcers and stress. And at a very young age, I was actually on medication by the time I was 16, Tagamid, for ulcers. Oh, wow. And Mm. then I was on things for high blood pressure and asthma. And by the time I was in my teens, I was probably on 13 prescriptions a day. And what ended up happening is... I was about 18 years old. Um, I had already gone through school. I'm getting an internship with IBM. Life is good on every point you would think. And I am getting on the back of my dad's motorcycle and I fall off. And I had lost 30 pounds in 30 days because the ulcers made it so I couldn't even keep water in my stomach. And I had a sudden heart attack. Oh, my God. How old were you? 18. Oh, oh my gosh. 18. And what ended up happening is they rushed me into the hospital and I heard something that I never heard before. It may have been said, but I don't remember hearing it was my dad saying, I love you. And I had an association in hindsight, I can tell you is, you know, I realized when you're sick, they're nice to you. And I found, they said to me, you have control over this. I'm like, what do you mean I have control over this? I mean, I couldn't keep water in my stomach. And they'd watch me and I never put my finger down my throat. I never intentionally tried to throw up food, but I found I had control over it. And it became the beginning of 13 years of hurting myself. And I was in and out of hospitals for 13 years. I went to OA and Eventually, they found out there was another catalyst that started this. I was 16 years old and I was date raped. Um, my, I wasn't a, my father didn't want me dating. My mother allowed me to. She knew who I went out with. Um, it was the owner of a restaurant that we went to often. It was his son. And it turned out that there was no one home and I wasn't supposed to have anybody in the house. And I let him in. And that's like the that's kind of enough of the story to get the idea that that was a mistake. Right. And when I said to my mom what happened, she said, "Don't tell your dad; he'll kill you." And I took it as meaning I did something wrong versus the person did something wrong, which was both. And it turned out that I that's when I started finding the the ulcers got worse and everything else over those two years. And by the time it came into full bloom, when I realized I had control over it and I realized it was just a means to deal with stuff when I didn't have any other resources, I started using food and I ended up becoming a compulsive overeater, binge eater, bulimic. I would consume upwards of 18,000 calories a day on a bad day. And I'd be throwing up like 10, 20 times if I needed to uh, over that period of time for 13 years. Oh my wow, gosh! So that, you know, uh, my my daughter suffered from anorexia and bulimia too, and for me, you know, I had read a lot about it, but you know, finding that out and and you know, eventually she went on to opioid addiction and other things too. But that stayed with her long after everything. I mean, it was sort of the beginning and the ending of her journey. That is that is a really really tough thing to. To oh, get you, over. You mean the ending? She she kind of scooted back to that. It, well, I mean, yeah, that she was doing that even after she stopped doing the drugs. She was oh, doing no it kidding. before and after. Yes, oh. yes, I, that was her original addiction. Well, you know, one of the challenges, Ellen, is that most people, you know, if you want to give up drugs, you want to give up alcohol, you want to 
do certain things, you can literally omit it from your lifestyle and it's not going to hurt you. You don't need to go to a bar. You don't need to buy alcohol to exist. And when I said I picked the good girl disease, that was the challenge. You know, I never drank. I didn't do drugs. I was too afraid of my dad. He wanted, you know, he didn't, he wouldn't put up with that. (laughs) So nobody ever got upset with you for eating until you ate them out of house and home. And it was really an expensive habit more than most people would even imagine. I mean, I'm sure. It it turned out in my height of the disease, I had gotten audited. I owned my own computer consulting company at one point, and I got audited because one of my accountants didn't file something, and they ended up finding I was taking money out of my business. And that year, it was almost six figures that I took from the business to support my habit of food. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, nobody I knows. No, That's the thing. Nobody knows. Yeah. No. You, no. You're not acting out. And you're not drunk driving and Absolutely. getting DUIs. Yeah, and, you're not yeah. staggering around, but you're still suffering from the same, I guess, stinking thinking for better. Oh, absolutely. And I think the irony about it as well is that, you know, I grew up in a, in a Jewish home where it was always eat, eat, eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here I'm being told to eat. And then after they find out that I'm compulsive overeater, binge eater, and bulimic, they're like, well, don't, you can't eat. Now they're locking the cabinets and trying to hide food <laughs> from me. And yeah. I was like, well, this is a little bit ironic, right? Um, but it was really an insidious disease. And even when I looked, when I, the beginning of the journey, when I, did my best to get clean and not do that, I found you could, I could have a month clean and all of a sudden it was, ins- I would go back to it, but it wasn't like it was new. It was where you, you go back exactly where you left off. So people think, oh, it's like you're easing into it again. No, it's worse. It's so, it's so insidious. And, and unfortunately, more people die from that disease than any others. And people don't understand because your esophagus can burst, whether it's mm-hmm. anorexia oh, or yeah. bulimia, you know, you can do such damage and people don't quite understand the extreme of it. My potassium levels were crazy low. That's how your heart and you can have heart attack strokes. You can die. There's so many other variables. And most people who do have eating disorders, you would never know it, especially if they're bulimic. They're usually overweight. I happen to have not been overweight. I color coded my food. So I'd make sure I got rid of it all. Um, So when I say it was sick, it was literally. It was almost like a science. Oh, it was a science. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always, you know and, I, the, and the the strange thing about that is, that, you know, like being a recovering addict, you know, my, my drug of choice was heroin. And, um, you know, you take the heroin away from me and I would, you know, I would look for the next substitute. But you take that substitute away and, you know, ultimately with a little with a little length of clean time, you know, I, I didn't have to like every morning take a little bit of heroin, like you have to eat food. Yeah, right. you know what I mean? Problem. It's just, it's just, it just blows my mind that, you know, it, it, you could regulate it that way because like I couldn't take a pill a day. Right. You know, I mean, unless it, I had to. It, it's interesting how you said that. I remember one day, um, I have 25 years now of abstinence from binging and purging. And I remember awesome. one day, Thank you. My mom had said to me, she had stopped smoking for 17 years. And she said, 17 years. And I never counted. I never did that to myself. But I knew at the same time my mom stopped smoking was the same time I stopped binging and purging. So I said, oh, my God, it's 17 years that I'm abstinent. She says, no, it's not. I said, what do you mean it's not? She says, well, you you fell a couple of times. And I was like, ma, let, let's be real here. <laughs> 
you know, if I was binging and purging 18 times a day and I was like, I was spending anywhere from 50 to 100,000 a year on food and over 17 years, if I can count on my hand, how many times I might've like felt like I overate and I got rid of it, or I did something on my hand. I said, I didn't do on my hand what I did in a day, let alone 17 years. So if you're going to negate my 17 years, (laughs) (laughs) I never said it was perfect is what I told her, you know? Right. And, and I look at that today because I think when you have the mentality of of dealing with these diseases, you know, I help people every day with this. And, and this is important to me because the idea is the switching of addictions. And I saw so many people go from one OA to NA to GA mm-hmm. to SA right. to this A. Right. And, you know, and they just went from one to another. And I was like, well, you're, you never dealt with the issue. You just changed the symptom. You yeah, just you changed just, the yeah. vehicle. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, exactly. they never did anything. So I said, you know, here's what ends up happening. It's really learning to give the different meaning to the emotions, sitting with it, understanding it. But also the judging had to stop, you know, having to be so hard on yourself. If you didn't do it perfect, for me, I had that all or nothing attitude. But if I couldn't do it, then F it. I'm going to do it this way, you know. <laughs> so I, I didn't want to live in that world. I couldn't have gotten 25 years if I was looking for that perfect scenario, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, my my, I don't know. I I I I would say my um, compressed thought process. While you were saying that, and I was saying like, what what happened? Like, what what do you do? Like when you when you say you go out to dinner, and you you have whatever, and it's time for dessert, do you have to say you know, no? Or do you have a little dessert, and if you eat a little more than you should, does that set off an alarm in your head? Like, I know, like, for me, like you said, you know, you go to A-A-N-A-E-I-E-I-O-A. Um, <laughs> I know for me what my triggers are. You are eating your triggers. Yeah. I am staying away from mine. Correct. You know, so so it kind of so it kind of so blows think it's my different. mind, and I think what we're, I think what we're going to need to do is we're, we're going to need to go to break right now. Okay. So we're probably going to have to pick that up on the on the other side. So I know that my short uh, attention span isn't going to isn't going to remind me of that on the other side. So keep that I'll in remember. mind. <laughs> if you'd like to call and ask Lisa a question, dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every month. Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back again. That was a quick break. Good. I'm, I'm very interested in what Lisa has yeah, to no, say. Not very much so. <laughs> we were talking before we went to break about triggers, you know, and I said that uh, fortunately enough, you can wrap mine up in a little package and put them in the corner. And, out, you know, outside of specific things, like if someone strikes a match, I smell a match and I get, that's like a trigger for me. But you actively walk around in all of your triggers. You, you eat your triggers on a daily basis. Yes, I do. And what's interesting is the very beginning, it was so sensitive where there were certain foods that I liked or that I knew I couldn't even go near. If you would have even offered me ice cream or cake and certain certain kinds of cakes and stuff, I wouldn't have even touched it. And today it's very different. 25 years later, actually more like after 10 years, if Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a piece of cake or I wanted to eat something, it didn't have the same effect. There was no association to it like it was before. But there always was that moment at the very beginning years that if I did eat too much, it was more of, oh, my God, do I need to keep eating so I can get rid of it all? Or do I stop now? And now you start having that whole internal dialogue go on in your head. And that was such a mind game that was more challenged than I called it like white knuckling it, you know, back in the day when you go to the meetings and you're making fists and you're white knuckling the idea so you don't go do something stupider. And that's really where it was back then. Today, I don't have that. I'm really grateful. I've actually worked over the years to understand human psychology and and the behavior and why we do what we do and realize that one of the things that I wasn't given in the early days that caused me to have to white knuckle it was I wasn't giving enough alternatives 
to be able to deal with the emotions and feelings. So when something happened, my go-to would be food. And then and then if I'm in a bad state and it's time to eat a meal, it wasn't a winning combination at the time, you know, because mm-hmm. that's my that's my vice. So I had to figure out how do I deal with this and how do I separate the food from the emotion? And emotions, you may have heard the expression before, is energy in motion, right? Uh-huh. That's all it is. And a lot of times, if we don't direct it where it needs to be, we'll put ourselves off on a path and we'll end up not where we want to be by eating or, for me, binging and purging. And I had created the seven secrets to fab after going through this recovery stage and understanding what is it that had to happen for me to stop doing this, because I used to think it was willpower. You know, people would say, well, just yeah. stop, right? It's willpower. Right. And I, I had really done my due diligence, I literally traveled around the world to all these different mentors trying to figure out why I was hurting myself. I kept thinking, what's wrong with me? And it went from Tony Robbins to Deepak Chopra to Dr. Bandler to Grinder to Diltz to, you know, to Wayne Dyer to Jim Rohn. I mean, you name it. I was going to find out what's wrong with me. And I spent over a million dollars looking for the answer to find out there was nothing wrong with me. I was just asking the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. So, I realize if I'm asking the wrong questions, what's the right one? And so I'm thinking, why is willpower not working? Why can't I control this? I'm so smart, but I'm doing dumb stuff. And that was something that Dr. Banley used to say. He says, you're not dumb. You're doing stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, right. okay. yeah, exactly. True. You're doing stupid. Because yeah. like, this happens only to smart people because you have to have a lot of brains to manipulate mm-hmm. yourself to, and everybody else to stay right. in disease. And I ended up putting together the seven secrets to fab, which was how to overcome self-sabotage because I finally figured out willpower doesn't work and why and how to re-engineer the whole process so you don't go back to what's familiar. And I love that Dr. Virginia Satir said every human being returns to familiar. So if you're in a stressed state and you didn't find another alternative to your vehicle of choice, drugs, food, alcohol, whatever, you're going to go back to what you know unless you change your new equilibrium to something higher. So the first thing in the seven secrets is acknowledging the fear and doubt. Knowing that you're doing it is one thing, but there's a very big difference from knowing and knowing. The person that says, I know this is not good for me, I'm not going to eat it, and they eat it anyway, then they don't know. You follow me? Oh, yeah, no, very much so. Yeah. They uh-huh. have a knowing, but they don't know. It's when you don't do it is when you really know. So acknowledging mm-hmm. the fear and doubt of where you're at is like the first thing that has to happen. Then you have to take inventory of life's lessons and beliefs. You know, I had looked back and said, wow, that was so interesting in the hospital that when my dad said, I love you, I had this equation of, you know what, when you're sick, they're nice to you. And the reason that was a very important moment, my dad loved me dearly, but he didn't always know how to show it. And he used to call me a nickname called AH, which was asshole. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes. That's right. And I thought princess would have been better, but that's not what I got. I would would think that would be. (laughs) (laughs) But what happened is I took inventory of the lessons. I said, well, at that time when he said it, all of a sudden, everybody was nice to me. And it ended up meaning, you know, if you're sick, they're never going to call you bad names. They won't expect mm-hmm. more of you. They'll be okay. So I was like, wait a second. I didn't know that I stayed there for this reason. But I had to start taking inventory of my actions. But it wasn't about what anybody did to me. It was about me taking responsibility of the meanings I gave things. Okay. That, that was the yeah. piece there. 
Then it was number three is breaking through toxic meanings and emotions. And so often I equated, you know, AH as being something bad. And what was so interesting about it, my father also called me a plain Jane. And I used to think, what, what a mean thing to do until one day I said, what does that mean? He, because he wouldn't let me wear makeup or anything else. And he says, you're a natural beauty. I was like, are you kidding oh, see? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like I spent years thinking he didn't think I was pretty. And he's like, he right. thought I was natural beauty. So breaking through toxic meanings and emotions, really understanding what does it mean versus the meaning I gave it, right? And and discerning that. But and I mean, then, don't you isn't that isn't that the isn't that the important meaning, what we understand it to be? Because we're the ones that are we're the ones that hold the key to whatever it is that we're doing with that meaning. Absolutely. Perception is reality. Whatever your perception is will become your reality. And without a doubt. And then four is breaking the trance. And people don't understand this. They think that, okay, I'm just will myself for it. And this is where the change happens. This is where you have to, there's different tools that we use through Find Defab to literally break the trance and change the neurotransmitters in your brain to literally associate different to the conditioning that you've done for decades. It's so cool. Um, we work with neuroassociative neuro programming and neurolinguistic programming, cognitive behavior therapy, and DBT, and many other different therapeutic modalities that are mind blowing. You know, how long and does it take, though? I mean, it not that very sounds like long. a lot. <laughs> It, it doesn't take very long. As a matter of fact, we do it by eliminating years of shame, blame, and therapy. Because what I had done to white knuckle it for 13 years was the challenging way going into rehabs and hospitals and OAs and you know all these different meetings and when I finally got it it was like overnight it literally was like overnight what took years took minutes what took you know decades took took weeks it was just really a whole different approach to how we do things mm-hmm. and we we literally do it like number five is by uncovering the unconscious patterns and behaviors and and that's sometimes putting putting ourselves into a place where we see it from a different perspective and we're able to do that through vision you know visionary using vision or auditory skills and different things to be able to get to the unconscious mind through transformational vocabulary and other skills that we use to be able to change behaviors. Um, I do a little bit of hypnosis as well as other, the other stuff I mentioned. So we have a lot of different tools in our tool belt. <laughs> now, um, while, while, we're, while we're sharing all of this and it's, and it's fresh in people's minds, why don't you share how someone can reach out to you or follow you or find a little bit more because the hour that we have isn't even going to scratch the surface on what it is that you can share with us. So if you can share with the, with the audience how they might reach out to you or follow you, for for your teachings, uh, please do that now. Thank you. I'd love to. And you can follow me by going to Find to Fab. And Fine is actually how I used to feel. It stands for an acronym. My family used to say, "How are you doing, Lisa?" I'd say, "Fine." They go, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "Fine." And finally, I said, "How are you doing?" I go, "Fine." I'm effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Right. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, Fine to T O Fab is Fab is fabulous, awesome, beautiful. You can go there. dot com as well as Lisa Lieberman Wang, the only Jewish Chinese woman with that name, and. You <laughs> You can find me on any social media site as well as um, as well as well uh, through the websites, through those two website addresses, lisaliebermanwang.com and findafab.com. What about, what about books or anything like that? 
Absolutely. Find a Fab is the number one bestseller, both in the U.S. and international. You can find it on Amazon, Borders Books, Barnes & Noble. It's all Kindle? over. Kindle. It is available yeah. on Kindle. Yeah. 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 Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why, that, you know, it's, it's funny because for the longest time I had, slowly I had, uh, my predominant eye is my right eye. And slowly but surely I had a cataract that came in and I hadn't been able to read so I got a Kindle and it seemed to work a little bit better the way that it was. But now that I had my now that I had a lens put in, my, my eyesight is incredible. <laughs> but now I'm um You gotta use your glasses to read the Kindle. Well, I, I have to use my glasses, but I'm not a book person anymore. I have to have that little Kindle thing in yeah. my hand. A book uh, is a little bit too I love weird how that changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's strange how I know. I mean I, I used to love having a book in my hand, but not, yeah, me now too, but now I'm a Kindle person. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so it's always good that I always I always have to ask if there's a Kindle version so yes. that I can read it too. Absolutely. Especially, especially in today's world. I mean, crazy. I got, I got clean in 1989, and they used to give us dimes when I left the, uh, when I left the, when I left the uh, halfway house that I was in. They would give us like two dimes to call, like to go when make the a phone call. Over, People don't even know what that means at anymore. At the phone booth, at the phone booth <laughs> out in front of the church, and and those are all gone. I mean, times have right. so totally changed. changed. Okay, we were up to five, I think. Yeah, right? yes, you're good, Alan. <laughs> we, <laughs> no, I'm interested. Well, uh, five is uncovering unconscious patterns of behavior. And, you know, the only way you can get there is you had to have gone through the other four first to know that you're doing it, to understand where things are coming from, to see what's not serving you so that you can start recognizing it so you can interrupt the pattern. And if we don't realize we're doing it, it's really hard to stop it, right? Right, for sure. So, so we need to interrupt the patterns. And there's so many different modalities we use to be able to condition ourselves to do it. Remember I said, you know, people do go back to familiar. So we, we have to create a new familiar and a new threshold so that they don't keep going back to what they know. And that's part of reprogramming the neurotransmitters in our brain. And we can do that by, you know, even jumping up and, and when you do something, and saying, you know, who said that? Like literally saying something, who said that? And like, why would you even do that? Well, it's interrupting a pattern where you're just normally just unconsciously continuing to do something silly, but now you put a, you put kind of a, a wedge in it and you're changing the way you're viewing it. You're changing the way you're responding to it. It's no longer an automatic. It, you just broke a pattern. I mean, that's just a very small example of something silly, but you can do that. And then number six is stop waiting for perfection. And that's why I said at the very beginning when my mom said that to me, what, eight years ago, whatever it was, I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to take away all my years? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, are you really going to negate it and tell me I have to start at zero again? <laughs> and. And it was funny because the five times I could get on my hands were like within a three-year period, I remember. It was like a, ruck, a rocky road going on. And I was like, you're going to take everything else I did away? That's just wrong. So it's not about perfection. It's about taking imperfect action. And, you know, it's not always going to look pretty. It might be sloppy. But you know what? We're going to compare it to where it was before, and we're going to compare it to your own benchmark. Like, we're, you're not binging and purging 18 times a day. You're doing it once every three months. Okay, we're getting better. Now we got to get to where it doesn't show up in three months. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But, like, that's like with it. That's like with everything else. You can't, right. you know, some people it takes longer than others. You know, I mean, I, I you know, the amount of detoxes and stuff that I had to go to in order to get to where I am today, 
it, it, I, I wouldn't have been able somebody else wouldn't have been able to get clean like I did right. like I wouldn't have been able to get clean like somebody else they go get one one white chip and they never have to turn it in they never have to get right. another one and that just right. blows my mind I have a drop well, full of them well, the, the truth is, is that that's, that was one of the challenges I had with the 12-step programs for me was the starting over all the time because, and then I had to be right. perfect. And I always, that yeah. was one of my isms, right. perfectionism. Right. And when you have food, there was never a part of like being like totally perfect because who defines perfect? To me, overeating and keeping it could have been a, could have been a binge. And then again, I'm not perfect. But I didn't throw it up. Now I'm like, at least I didn't throw it up because to me, my real disease was the bulimia was purging to the point of having to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So if I kept it, I'm thinking I'm being honest now. Like I didn't just eat and get rid of it. I felt like it was a very dishonest disease because, you know, what you do privately usually shows up publicly. So there's so many people that are obese out there and they mm-hmm. think nobody knows what they're doing. But that's like when you're eating privately, you, it's not that it just didn't go anywhere. They, you know, guy go garbage in, garbage out. No, garbage in, garbage stays in. If you're binging and you're eating and you're, you're 10, 20, 50 pounds overweight or 100 pounds overweight, it didn't just show up on you. You don't have a thyroid problem. The whole world is not full of thyroid problems. No, you're, you're right. You're doing something privately that's showing up publicly. When you're bulimic, it's a little bit deceptive because people <clears> don't know you're doing it. So... That it's kind of like a different kind of game. And I think it was more detrimental because I got away with stuff, but I hurt myself even more. You know, so cunning. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so cunning. And in, in, in every way, it, it just tries to, you know, like, like your, your life mirrors mine, even though our substances were different. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and, I, I the, the, you know, like like what you said about perfection. That's one thing. You know, when you think of it, and when you're when you're speaking of it, and you're walking back down into the um, anonymous group that you're uh, embracing, and you're telling on yourself, saying, you know, I messed up again. Come get a white keychain or a white chip or, you know, a one day at a time thing or whatever. Um, you're setting yourself up for that, um, for failure. And in the judgment, sense of, judgment, judgment from the other well, members Judgment of the and failure in the fellowship. sense of, you know, you come in wanting to do everything perfect. Mm-hmm. And being human, yes. you, you have the automatic failure built in. Yeah, and, and that actually leads me to the seventh step, which is perfect right now, Ray. It's making peace, practice gratitude, and celebrating. Mm-hmm. Beca- because there's so much... Um, detriment to what you do to yourself, the self-talk, you're not good enough. Like mine was, I wasn't good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, skinny enough. I wasn't rich enough. And the irony about it is I did this from the ages of 17, 18 to 30 or 31. And the irony about it is I was a millionaire by the time I was 30, but I still never had enough money. I was never skinny enough. I was I was so crazy skinny. It was ridiculous. I went from a, you know, I went down to 95 pounds, but I usually stayed at about 105, two and a half or, or 110, even perfect weight for me. But I thought I was heavy. You know, it's about making peace with everything of making peace with the fact that, you know, my dad did stupid. He called me a silly name. He didn't need to call me that the fact that making peace with the fact that I beat myself up for so long and, and threw away all that money. It's like, that's, 
just what it is. You know, it's what I needed to do. And practicing gratitude for even having a day or a meal that I didn't feel like I was uncomfortable with or that I was just grateful that I got through five days together, then six days and so forth. You know, the truth of the matter is, though, when I stopped the bulimia, I literally had three months straight And then all of a sudden, like when I really stopped, like the beginning of my 25 years, I had done really well. And Tony Robbins actually was part of the reason I did well, because I had gone to his program and he helped me and they were looking for someone suicidal and somehow I was called. I don't remember raising my hand, but I was called. And I just posted a picture on Facebook today, as a matter of fact, because when my dad just passed away and we were looking for pictures for um, a slideshow for him. And we found this picture of me on stage with Tony. And I remember I had three months put together and I never had three months put together in all those years of going to OA and and therapy. And I was like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden I lost it and I messed it up. And I remember Tony came into town and I was doing volunteer work like you talked about, Ray. We did the basket brigade to feed the hungry. Uh And turned out that there were 12 of us in a room and Joseph McClendon, his protege, was going to come. And I didn't want to go because I just binged and purged. I just messed up my string of days. And I said, well, I love Joseph. I'm going to show up. Well, long story short, Tony walks in for 12 of us. Can you imagine? And this this is 25 years ago. And you wouldn't find Tony walking in a room today, Tony Robbins. And it turned out that he comes and he goes, any questions? And I I raised my hand kind of shy, not really. And I said, you know, if you're so great, why am I still messed up? <laughs> and I well, you know something, let us let me let me cut you off right there because that's a that's a good place to to cut you off. We, we're gonna we need to go to break. Okay. So um, that's a, that's a great way to if you're so great, <laughs> you can explain that on the other side. Okay. If you want to ask Lisa a question or if you have any. If you want to share your experience, strength, and hope, please dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We will be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin 
breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back for the final segment, which is the shortest one, which bums me out. Um... We are speaking with Lisa Lieberman Wang, and she's sharing her experience, strength, and hope with life and how to deal with it on many different aspects. And uh, you were, sh- oh, before we even go back to the conversation, share with people how they can get in touch with you again. Absolutely. You can find me online under Lisa Lieberman Wang, as well as go to find2fab.com. Both of them, you go to LisaLiebermanWang.com. Also, LisaLiebermanWang.tv. You can find my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Borders Book, Shop.com. It's Find to Fab, Seven Secrets of a Successful Woman's Journey Away from Depression, Disordered Eating, and Self-Sabotage. Now, tell me something. You absolutely walked into Barnes & Noble to look at your book on the shelf, didn't you? Of course, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Probably signed a few of them there, too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because I walk into I walk into stores like that, and you know, I say like, "What if my book was here? Would I come back by every day and just look at it?" <laughs> you know, do the people that do the people that write all these books come like come search for them, and and they must, you know, I mean, unless you're unless you're um, Tony Robbins, yeah. Well, I mean, he probably did at first. I'm sure. Well, every, I'm sure everybody does, but yeah, yeah, like Tony Robbins, who's done incredible things. Okay, so get back to your story with meeting so Tony, Tony Robbins, and yeah. Absolutely. So what happened is Tony had just worked with me three months before, and I asked him, you know, what, if you're so great, why am I still, I actually said effed up, and he asked me a question, he said, well, what's your purpose? And I sat with it for a moment, and I pretty much said, I have none. And he just turns around and says, I have this new technology. And he goes off on a three-hour rant of training us. And he comes over to me after and he said, he, he, looks, he gives me a big hug and a kiss. And he said, don't ever ask me that question again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what it was is that was honestly after realizing one of the things of, you know, making peace is that I needed to decide, you know, what is it I want? What am I looking for? I really thought that life was harder than it was. I had so many rules built into what had mm-hmm. to happen for me to be okay that, you know, my purpose of just being or to be happy, that wasn't sufficient. I was supposed to make millions of dollars, change the world, do all kinds of stuff. And and not that I haven't today done it, and I'm very blessed that I have. Back then, I, my value was based on having to do it versus just being. And when you think about it, we're not human doings, we're human beings, but yet we right. judge a lot of times what we do. That only this on is what very we do. true. You know, it's it's really only on only what we do. It's our actions are uh, are um, skeptically driven. 
if you want to put it that way, you know what I mean? Like, especially, especially like while you are fully engaged in your uh, addiction, you know, I mean, because it's all judgmental action. Unfortunately, it is, but it's not until you remove yourself. And that's where the making peace comes in, you know, making peace with what is. And it's not with judgment. It's more of this is just the reality. This is where we are. If we're going to start blaming people for everything they did wrong, blaming ourselves for everything we did wrong, you also have to blame yourself for everything you did right. No, this is true. I think about it today, had my dad not been the way he was, I wouldn't be who I am today. Had, you know, my mom not even said, don't tell your dad, that was a gift in a way, not thinking it was a gift, because today I help women every single day who deal with sexual abuse. Now, mm-hmm. I would not have known how to do that because I never had, would have been in that situation. Not didn't, didn't just happen to me once. It happened to me three times. I had an employer who attacked me, and I had an associate that did the – when I was one when I was 18 and one when I was, when I was 19. And I was like, what was I attracting? I, what I was putting out, I was getting. I became a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, another thing I'd love to share with your listeners is go to the TEDx and look up beliefs are the lies you tell yourself – and in the middle of the word belief is the word lie. And I did a TEDx mm-hmm. on beliefs oh, that's of lies so you tell yourself. And I was telling myself all these crazy little stories, but they became self-fulfilling prophecies. And today I work with people who have not just taken a bad situation that happened once, but they relived it in their mind millions and millions of times. And then they wonder why they, they can't get over it is because they never turned off the tape, got rid of it. No more a track, no more tapes, just throw it away. <laughs> right. Find- no, why they keep walking back into it because yeah. they program themselves to Absolutely. have that as acceptable behavior, even Absolutely. though it's not. Yeah. Right. And then after practicing gratitude, we need to celebrate. And that was probably the hardest thing I had to do. And I don't know about you, but that was hard for me to even celebrate little victories because my benchmarks and standards of what it had to be dealing with perfection was I didn't celebrate little stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. the little stuff that adds up to the big stuff. So learning to celebrate, it was a big deal. And that's part of the seven secrets. You have to celebrate every little victory. You know, you got through an hour and if you couldn't do that in the past, then that's a celebration. If you got through a day, then that's a celebration, you know? And and it's not about getting through it perfectly by a standard. It, it may be the fact that it was better than something before or, or appreciating the gifts that you have in the moment and stop looking at what's wrong, but maybe what's right, you know? Now, when you when you say celebrate, there's there's many different ways to celebrate. If I was to celebrate with a beer, I would not be. <laughs> no. Know, or if no. you would be celebrating with cookies, it would be yeah. detrimental to Thank what it you is. For so, yeah. right. So there's a lot of things like when you're saying celebrate. In other words, just give yourself a hand for what it yeah. is I, that I you've done. Clapping. Many, I'm clapping my hands here. I'm like, yay! Right. <laughs> yeah. Many times I've heard, you know, uh, in uh, a 12-step uh, recovery group that they give it all to their higher power. They take no credit for what it is that they've done. Well, guess what? You take the responsibility of the bad things that you did. You need to take the credit for the good things. And if yeah. it was just staying clean today, if it was it was maintaining your sobriety on whatever level that it is that you're engaging it, then you need to give yourself credit for that day and, and not just say that it was the group. It was us. It was them. No, you're, you're, you're a piece of that. And, and what happens with a lot of people when they don't give themselves the credit, all of that negativity comes flooding back in because they're not, they're not 
feeding that positive aspect of what it is that they're doing. They're not accepting the positive aspect of it. Absolutely. We have, to, we have to take responsibility, and although one of our steps in the program is, is being powerless, you know, we're not powerless over our actions. We can be responsible for them. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Is, is this program something you can do, or is it something that you need a group or, you know, a, a specific type of therapist uh, Actually, Ellen, what I do is I run 10-week transformational programs and weekend retreats. Oh, and okay. what I what happens is what takes years of shame, blame, and therapy, I literally do in a couple of months. And we give you everything from there's a whole team of us. I'm not the only one. All of us have experience with recovery and anywhere from my 25 years to 31 for one of our faculty and all different modalities, whether I used food, Willard used drugs and alcohol, you know, one of them was spending one, you know, there's all different backgrounds. Ah, Okay. I was going to ask you, does this work? On all kinds of addictions. <laughs> every every, every yeah. addiction, every addiction. And, and what ended up happening is the reason I started it, Ellen, was I had spent so much money looking to, for the answers and, I, and it was so much time lost with people putting Band-Aids on things. And right. in other words, you know, let me keep telling the story. Telling the story doesn't get rid of it. Changing the story will get rid of it. You know, exactly. eliminating the story will get rid of it and, and giving it a new meaning. But how do you do that? Most people don't teach you. Therapists aren't allowed to teach you. I'm a licensed master neuro, neuro-linguistic programmer, practitioner, and trainer, as well as a neuroassociative programming, which we created to change things. So in that respect... There's, this is something that we do over 10 weeks. We start working with all the rules and values and what's working, what's not, giving you the tools and resources to change everything. So we do run mm-hmm. these programs and people can, if they want to, you can actually connect with me another way. If you want to find out if you're challenged at this point or know someone who is, I'm going to give you access to my calendar. It's call, excuse me, find2fabconsult.com. That's fine, F-I-N-E-T-O-F-A-B.com find to fab consult c-o-n-s-u-l-t dot com and set up a private consultation with me and i'll see if and how i can help you now is is that for the audience yes it is okay yeah. cool awesome and, and and what do you do you just you just it's like a questionnaire type thing or well what they would do is they'd fill out a request form and then one mm-hmm. of my one of my employees would get back to them and if they qualify meaning that they're serious they're really looking for help and I believe we can help them then what cool. we'll do is set up a consultation and get, find find out where they're at give them more information and if they're right we'll talk to them about the program is it is it an online program that you work with people it, it, it is. It's online. We use video conferencing to see each other oh, every week. There's a program online where they're learning different modules so they can find out. You know, it's more. It's a lot of cognitive behavior type therapy. You're doing the work. You're, you're identifying the seven secrets I shared with you. We're literally breaking it down plus a lot of other stuff. And then after that, we end up having live calls every week through Zoom. We can see each other and we get to meet live in person for the event. Okay, Awesome. That was that was kind of a lot just to just to all of a sudden say we have to end the show, but but sadly we do have to end the show. So hopefully maybe within the next week or two we'll be able to get you back on. So it's fresh in our audience's mind, and we'll be able to um, pick this back up where we went. Awesome, that'd be my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
No, thank you very much. Ellen? And with Miracles in Recovery, hope is in your corner. Stay blessed, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.